Well, hey, uh, I want to share a quick story with you guys. Uh, a couple of summers ago, I uh, went to the beach. One thing that I love to do in my free time is I, I love to swim. So I went to the beach and I got in the ocean and I was swimming around for a while and, and then I was done. So I left the ocean, kind of swam back up towards the shore and I walked uh, up and I saw this family uh, right there to my side. And it was a mom and a dad and they had uh, a little girl who must have been like five or six years old. And here's the thing I want to share with you, uh, just about being different and growing up kind of with a disability and, and people noticing. Uh, I'm used to, I'm very used to things like looks, like people give me looks. Like when people see me for the first time, they kind of give me a very strange, confused look. And I'm also very used to uh, questions. I mean, all my life, most of the time when people see me for the first time, before even asking my name or anything like that, they usually ask, where are your arms? What happened to your arms? You know, what happened? And that's just something I'm used to. And uh, so I was standing there on the beach and this kid uh, sees me and she looks really confused. So she has that look and I'm like, oh, I know it's coming. So she looks at me and she just says, what's wrong with you? And, you know, that, that's okay. I, I want you to know that uh, kids have absolutely no filter at all. Can we agree to that? Yeah, okay. And I want to say, too, along with that, might as well throw this out there, too, that I've learned that adults also have no filter <laughs> at all. I think it's just a human thing. So this kid, she's like, what's wrong with you? And I look at her, and I, I just told her, like, when I was your age, I didn't eat my vegetables. And needless to say, I think I very much scared her at that point. And she looked over at her dad, and her dad just stood there, and all he did was this. <laughs> That's all he did. Well, hey, it's, uh, it is so great to be here. And I, I want to uh, just kind of back up and, and tell you where I come from and kind of how uh, God was moving even in the most hopeless place uh, where, where I was born. So I was born in Romania, and I was born without arms. And, and straight from birth, I was given, uh, uh, just sent to an orphanage. My biological parents, they uh, weren't able to take care of me. They lived in a one-room house in a tiny little village that didn't have a name. It just had a number. And uh, on top of that, Romania uh, was a very superstitious country. So they, they believed, the majority of the country believed that a child like me, a person like me, uh, is cursed. That the reason I don't have arms uh, is because I have a curse on me. So my biological parents bring me back to their village and uh, the, 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 it's not a celebration. You know, when, when, when a birth of a child should be a celebration, it should be a, 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 a it's a miracle. But for me, their neighbors, their family saw me and said, how, how could you bring him back here? And, and they, they really thought that I would curse the rest of the village. So my parents had to make the decision and, and think, think about, you know, what, what do we do? Because if he stays here, there's nothing for him here. He will be an outcast for the rest of his life. So they made that impossible decision and just decided, you know, we have to put him in an orphanage and hope that someday someone out there could give him a better life than we ever could. So I was put in this orphanage and it was, it was overcrowded with children and not enough nurses to take care of all the kids. And uh, the nurses 
where along that same kind of belief of someone like me is a curse. Someone like me has evil spirits living inside uh, inside them. So they saw me and they didn't want anything to do with me. So they just put me in a crib in the very back of the orphanage and, and just left me there. I was, I was never held, I was never uh, uh, nurtured or cared for. You know, the basic needs that a child uh, should have, I didn't have for that first year or so of being in this orphanage, this first year and a half. I was completely neglected, completely abandoned, completely left for dead. There was a doctor who came into the orphanage and, and he would look at all the uh, kids who were uh, needed to be adopted, and he would give like a medical evaluation of all the children, you know? And he came over to my crib all the way in the back. I was the last one. And he, he uh, looked down and saw me, and he told the nurses, there's no hope for, for this one. There's no hope for this one. Uh, he's just going to die soon anyways. He, looked, he saw the condition I was in. He saw, you know, the lack of care, the malnourishment, all of it, and just said, he's just going to die soon anyways. There's no hope. So he took a piece of paper and he wrote a month and a year. Then he wrote, and then he left a blank. And he, he put it on my crib and, and said, uh, this blank, you just fill in the day of when he dies. And then he titled that piece of paper, Death Date. So, you know, the beginning of my life was not, not exactly great. In fact, it, it looked uh, pretty uh, hopeless. You know, that my, my biological parents abandoned me. These nurses abandoned me. This doctor who had every ability to, to save me uh, abandoned me too. You know, I, I just think it's so interesting because there's so many times in our lives when we're in situations or we're in, you know, seasons or pandemics or whatever, and just the situation as a whole just looks completely hopeless. You know, we're looking at it and we're like, how, how can anything good come from this, right? And I know, you know, on, on the surface and talking about my adoption and looking back, I'm like, they all said I was just, just going to die. But the, the amazing thing about God and the amazing thing about uh, who, who we serve is that even in the midst of all that, God was still working and God was still moving and God was orchestrating every little part and every little piece according to his plan. And that's the important thing. While all that was happening, while I was being left for dead and neglected and, and, and in everything, God was working on the hearts and minds of a couple here in the States who had three kids of their own. And God was kind of calling them to something bigger, kind of calling them to uh, a radical, uh, I guess, a radical thing called adoption. You see, uh, James 1.27 uh, calls us to, call, uh, to care for the orphan and the widow in, the, in their distress. You know, it's not, a, it's not a suggestion. It's not, you know, if you want to do something good, here's something you could do is care for a widow or orphan. No, it's, it's, a, it's a command. You know, God calls us to care for the widow and orphan in, in their distress. The orphan is so close to the heart of God. My parents uh, were convicted by that uh, passage, and, and they were aware that there are many different ways to care for the orphan, you know, the Bible doesn't say adopt. Every, it doesn't say every person should adopt. If every person did adopt, then there would be no need for adoptions. Uh, but the Bible doesn't say you have to adopt, but it says care for the orphan. And for my parents, they were convicted and knew what God was calling them to do. To find a child that nobody else in the world wants. 
and to make that child their own. So long story short, I like to say it was luck, but it wasn't luck. We know that. I feel bad for even like thinking that sometimes. I'm like, man, how did they find my picture? But they did. Long story short, my parents uh, happened across a, a, a black and white picture of a, of a baby with no arms. And uh, the description said, baby boy born without arms desperately needs a loving family. Then it went on to say, this boy will soon die, dot, dot, dot. And my parents, when they, when they read that, they knew right away that God was calling them to fill in those dots. You know, those, those dots in the sentence kind of uh, uh, implying a continuation. No, this wasn't just one period. It wasn't an ending. It wasn't this boy will soon die, period. No, this boy will soon die, dot, dot, dot. So, you know, I, I think about that and I think about our, our own lives and my own life and how many times in my life when I, I struggled and how many times in my life when I felt hopeless and always having to remind myself that my life is a continual dot, dot, dot scenario, that God is continually filling those dots for, for me and for you. Uh, so a little bit more about my, my family real quick. Yeah, uh, my parents, they adopted me. They had three of their own and then they went on to adopt nine more children from five other countries. So I guess all in all, they have three homemade cookies and 10 store-bought cookies. And my mom's not here, so I can say this, but if it's anything like my mom's actual baking, the store-bought cookies are way cooler and way better. Uh, but you guys don't tell her that. And I remember, uh, I remember growing up and we were, we were eating dinner at the table, very big table, and we were all eating dinner, and this repairman came in to, like, fix, I think he had to fix our sink or something. And he came in, and he kind of looked in the, in the dining room as he was walking by. It's kind of one of those, like, hallways where you can just see. And he saw all of us eating, and he looked in, and he said, this looks like some kind of United Nations. <laughs> and he's right. I mean, we have, I mean I'm, I'm from Romania. I have a brother from India and three sisters from Ethiopia and siblings from China and Thailand and uh, siblings through the foster care system in the U.S. and and um, I don't think, know if I'm missing anything. Maybe. Um, don't ask me their names. I'll forget. I'm just kidding. Don't ask me their birthdays because I definitely will forget that. <laughs> no, but I loved, I loved growing up in, in my family. And one thing I, I love about my parents, and I didn't really appreciate it until much later, is, uh, you know, learning how to not have arms and learning how to just live life without arms, you know, I'm sure you might be out there and be like, might be thinking like, it must be so hard. I can't imagine, you know, I can't imagine living life without arms. Like, that must be so hard. I could never do that. How, how do you do that? How do you, how do you walk? I've gotten that question before. I'm telling you. <laughs> how, how, do you how do you do this? How do you do that? I, and I, I, don't, I could go on and on about how I learned, you know, specific things and how I overcame certain challenges and all this stuff, but I, I just want to just generalize and say that I'm very thankful for my parents for being as mean as they were. <laughs> I mean, I didn't appreciate it as a kid, and maybe mean's not the best word, but they were just tough. You know, I remember being a kid and constantly thinking like, you know, oh, I, I want a drink of water. So I would ask if I can get a drink of water. My, parent, my mom would say, uh, yeah, go ahead, get one. And then, you know, I'd, I'd kind of say, what, can you get it? And she'd be like, why can't you? I'm like, I, I can't. Have you tried? Well, no, but I just know I can't. I just, I just know. Then my mom, of course, would push me. My parents would push me and say, nope, if you're thirsty, get a drink of water. So, you know, come to find out, I'd figure it out, how to get a drink of water. 
And such was the case with just, just about everything in my life, really, was figuring out how to do everything that everybody else does, just doing it differently. Just doing it differently. And a lot of the times, a lot of the times I messed up. A lot of the times I failed. So I'd try something, I'd fail, I'd get it, I'd get it wrong, I'd get, I'd get it messed up, and I'd say, Look, see, I, see, I can't do it. But then my parents would push me again, like, well, try it a different way. Just try it like a different way. So I've learned that, you know, there's, there's a lot of things uh, that I just might need to figure out how to do and approach just a different way. And, you know, we kind of heard about it earlier. How many times do, do we know that God is calling us to something or calling us to do something or to talk to someone or to reach out to someone or step in a place that may be uncomfortable? And how many times we know God is calling us to that, but we just, we just say, I, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. And then maybe God's kind of like, well, how do you know that? Why can't you? And then we're just like, well, I just know. I just know I can't. And then, you know, I'm sure God's like, you just know? I just love, you know, Moses in the burning bush. And when, you know, he, he's like, he's like, well, I can't talk to Pharaoh. I, I stutter. Like, I, I, I'm not a good speaker. I can't talk. And then God's like, who made talking? <laughs> who made mouths and voices? Like, who made it? I don't know. I just love that. I didn't plan that. By the way. I, just, I just love that. But I want to I share with you, uh, you know, not having arms and learning how to do things with my feet and physical challenges, all that stuff. I know it might be sometimes cool to hear and stuff like how I learned to do specific things. But to me, it's, it's just everyday life and it's nothing different for me, I guess. And, and it, most things kind of just came easy. You know, a lot of it is just kind of just, uh, it's all I've ever known. So I've just learned uh, to do things. And to be honest, while we're on the topic of like disabilities and oh, you're overcoming challenges and things like that, me not having arms is not my disability. I, I just want you to know that. I just want you to know that I, I come here this morning really not as an, um, as an armless guy who can do things with his feet. I come here as a broken man who has struggled all his life with his own self-image, struggled all his life with wondering if God is really loving, if God really has a purpose for me. You see, as a kid, I just, I struggled a lot with this, this fact for my life that I'm different, that I'm not like everybody else. You know, I, I the, being a kid and getting, and having other kids look at me weird, and even adults look at me weird while I'm at restaurants or while I'm playing at the playground, you know, and then kind of getting older, going to middle school and going to high school and experiencing, oh man, bullying is a real thing. Experiencing that and experiencing, you know, just trying to fit in and trying to make friends, but someone like me, it's, it's sometimes hard to make friends. It's sometimes hard. It's sometimes hard to fit in. So those first couple years of middle school and then kind of going into the beginning of high school were some of the darkest years of my life. Just being in a new school, first of all, and being in a public school and experiencing that when you're different, you're oftentimes treated different. And all that to say, that really started to get me in this just very dark season in my life as a kid, as a teenager. You know, really starting to wonder and doubt and question everything that I grew up hearing about. Have you ever had questions or have you ever had doubts, especially when you're in just really dark seasons? 
I, I really feel like it's, it's human nature to respond when th- something bad happens to you or something bad happens to someone you love or something bad happens to just the world around us to, to our first initial response is, God, how could you do this? So for me, I was this, you know, 13-year-old kid uh, hating school and hating everyone around me and hating myself and really starting to wonder, you know, God, if you're so loving, how can you just decide to make me without arms? How, how, can you, how can you make me go through this school and go through this bullying and go through this being alone and being picked on? Because at the end of the day, the bullying, the name-calling, all that stuff, eventually just I got used to it, I guess. I don't know. I got numb. But being alone was the worst part. Have you ever felt alone in your life? You know, and, and I just think about this past year specifically and just how I just feel like loneliness is such a struggle for so many people nowadays. It's hard. You see, we, we deal with all the stuff we usually deal with as human beings. Anxiety and depression and anger and just wonder and doubt. And we deal with all that stuff on top of a pandemic that was unexpected by us. And it's just amplified everything, I feel like. And, you know, for me, going back to being this teenager, I got to this place of just sheer hopelessness. And in this place of just feeling just done with it all. I felt like I didn't have anything left. I felt like, you know, what, what's the point? What, what's the point of all this? You know, I... I I questioned everything. I would ask God, you know, to, to give me arms because I, because I thought that arms would make me happy. I thought that, Lord, you know, God, if, if you're so loving, can you just make me wake up tomorrow and I can have arms and I can be like everybody else? Like, that, that, that's what I wanted more than anything. That was my plan, is I want to be like everybody else. And I, I feel like, it's so interesting because I don't know if you've ever been in a place uh, maybe you're there today, but if you've ever been in a place where uh, you just feel so completely lost, you feel so completely done, and, you know, you might be having like, I, I, I like to call it like a spiritual tantrum. You know how kids like just throw a tantrum? Like, I learned, uh, we have a six-year-old, I, I learned that when, when Landon, my son Landon, when he's throwing a big tantrum, which he does, I've learned that it's, it's hard to reach them in reason with them when they're, th- when they're in like this tantrum mode. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to do that. And, you know, I think it's hard to teach them the, like a lesson or explain the situation or, or like talk to me. It's like, okay, let's talk about it. But it's hard to talk about it when they're throwing a big tantrum. And I was throwing a huge tantrum, a huge spiritual tantrum as a 13-year-old kid. And I think... A lot of times when we are going through things and when we're angry and we're just kind of like yelling at God, like, God, how could you do this? How could you allow this to happen? How could you this? How, you know, how could you? How dare you? This, 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 that. I feel like a lot of times God, you know, is waiting for us to kind of just calm down for a second. You know, that's, that's what he did for me. I was finally uh, got through my, my tantrum and I kind of had a, a moment of uh, calming down. And this is where God kind of stepped in as, you know, as my heavenly father. 
You know, I, I, had, I was 13, I built my, this like, spiritual orphanage for myself, if you will. I kind of felt like an orphan again, thrown this tantrum, alone, hopeless, lost, just, just nothing. And then in my moment of defeat, really, in my moment of just being done, God stepped in. You know, and, and a lot of times, you know, when, when, if, you want, if you're to listen to somebody motivational or you're like, you listen to a motivational speaker, a lot of times they'll say like, you know, life is hard, but don't give up. You know, life is tough, but stay strong, keep fighting, don't give up. I'm here to tell you, give up. <laughs> give up. Life is hard. If, if you don't feel like you're strong enough, if you don't feel like you're good enough, if you don't feel like you can do it, good. Good. It's not about you. I, I learned that it's not about what I think I can or can't do. You see, there's a passage in uh, John that, that the Lord really spoke to me through, and I, I just want to share this with you real quick. It comes in John 9, and it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And then Jesus said, Neither this man or his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So I, I, I heard that at this point in my life, and, and I mean, I'll tell you, I already heard that before. This wasn't the first time I read it or heard it, but, but it was at the same time. It's hard to explain. But I had already heard that before, but it just hit me in a totally new way. And I realized for the first time that God can work through me. No matter what, God can work through me despite me not having arms. Maybe even through me not having arms. So God created me. God knit me together in my mother's womb, like Psalm 139 says, like a work of art. And he wants to use me. He wants to use you. But I think as human beings, we get so caught up in the I can't. So we get so caught up in our, you know, our own disabilities because you know, I, I don't think I'm the only disabled one in here. If you think you're disabled, raise your hand. Yeah, if you think you, you struggle, raise your hand. If you've ever felt lonely, raise your hand. If you've ever sinned one time, raise your hand. Okay. We're all disabled, really. But as human beings, I just think when we're going through things and we're, we're, we're in seasons, you know, all we see is just kind of right in front of us. That's really all we see and all we experience and all we think is real is right now, what we're going through in the moment. But the truth of God's word tells us that he's in control. That our days were already planned before we were even born. And that he works things together for good. But it's important to know that it's for his good, not our idea of good. So we can get caught up so much as human beings in the I can'ts and the, and the, you know, I'm not able to do this or I'm not good enough or I'm not strong enough or there's no way I could do that. There's no way I could do this. I'm, I'm too messed up. You know, I, I, I did this in the past or I went through that in the past. I failed at this in the past. I failed at that in the past. There's no way God could use me. And I, I'm just here to tell you, and it, really, if you don't get anything else from this morning, uh, all I really want you to, to get from this is that it's not about you. 
Because if you get caught up so much in, in you, you're going to be disappointed. Because at, in our, our nature, at the root, we are all sinners. It's all about God, and it's all about what he's already done. So it's not about what I can or can't do. It's about what God has already done and what he is waiting to do through me and through you. And kind of before I close with one more song, I just want to uh, close with this too, that, you know, talking about trials and seasons of, you know, hurt and pain and anger and depression and, and suicide and, and pandemic and loneliness and layoffs and everything, talking about all those seasons, there's something really wild about the Bible and something really wild about what God calls us to do that is really backwards but it's what we're called to do, and, it's, it's, and I think only together and only with God's help can we really do it. And that is to, like in James, the book of James tells us to consider it pure joy when we face trials of all kinds. Because trials produce perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces testimony. And I just think our testimonies are what we are called to bring to the world. Whether we're actually sharing our testimony or we're just living it out. I think, I think that's it. So, you know, whenever I'm going through something, because I, I, I don't have it all together. You know, I, I, I don't like to come up here and, and pretend that I'm this knowledgeable guy who's always got it all together. I don't. I still struggle all the time. I still struggle. But I just know that God calls us all to consider it pure joy when we go through trials, which is so backwards to our human nature. So when we're going through something like impossible and something just detrimental and, and horrible, how, how, do we, how do we be thankful for that? How do, we be, how do we consider it pure joy when our human nature is to complain, our human nature is to groan and mumble and be angry at God and blame God? How, how do we just be thankful for that? I think one thing that has helped me with that is constantly reminding myself and, 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 and looking in the Word and knowing that God has it all planned out, that God is still painting my picture. He's still painting your picture. And uh, also to look back in the past, to look back in, throughout my life and say, hey, you know what? God, you are with me there. So while I'm going through this valley, I know you're still with me. You got me through that, you're going to get me through this. I don't know what the, the end holds. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I, I don't even, sometimes I might even think I can or that, that, that is able to. But you got me through that before. You're, surely you can get me through this. And that we're not alone. We're not alone in our struggles. We're not alone in this pandemic. We're not alone in our seasons that we face. I want to, I want to close real quick with a song uh, that I wrote called Not Abandoned. And I hope that it's a reminder um, to you and to me that even uh, in our darkest areas in our life and even in our darkest trials and seasons, that we're reminded that uh, even though we might feel it sometimes, uh, our feelings sometimes are wrong, that we're not abandoned and we're not alone uh, in, in these times. So this is, uh, this is Not Abandoned.
every hour Wondering if you'll make it out You've been here for as long as you can remember Trapped inside this hollow shell You're not abandoned not alone, there is a family that wants to make you their own. You're gonna find out on this broken road, there is a pathway that's gonna lead you home. You're not abandoned, you're not alone, there is a savior. He wants to make you his own You're gonna find out On this broken road There is a pathway That's gonna lead you home You're not abandoned You're not abandoned You're not abandoned Well, hey, uh, thank you guys again uh, so much uh, for allowing me to, to share it with you this morning. I hope that, you know, anything that I said uh, just impacted you. I hope that, you know, you uh, were encouraged and, and inspired to, you know, look at your challenges differently. And, um, yeah, thank you.